been a while, I think. And um, as providence would have it, um, we're here. And I'm um, thanking God for it as well. We always love coming to um, Waterkloof. And it is always a blessing to us just to, to be with you. I'm amazed that so many people came out on a, on a um, Sunday like this with the freezing cold and all the COVID that's flying around. But um, great to have you here. And for those who are online as well, we trust that the word today will be a blessing to you and that all of us at the Lord's people will be, will be blessed. Thank you, Sandy, for leading the way you did. Again, I think Providence definitely kicked in there uh, because um, my message that the Lord has given me for this morning is along those lines as well. And um, I think perhaps taking it to a, a level that's more practical perhaps than being molded. Being molded uh, sounds like the, the art of the matter, if I can say that, and indeed it touches the heart. But I think we need to get a little bit more practical than that. And here's how, how it happens. In fact, Sandy, you alluded to that in your last statement. Responding to God's words, receiving God's word is the way he molds us. Because that is the constant and we are the clay that need to be molded. And so the word of God is really the hand of God as it were, upon, upon the plot. And so we're going to <clears throat> consider receiving God's word today and perhaps just as we go into the message this morning to remind you of that lovely parable that Jesus taught, uh, the story from the Lord's own lips where he spoke about a sower who went forth to sow. And he went forth to sow in the kind of old-time traditional way, just casting the seed around and some of it fell upon a path, and there, of course, it couldn't take root, and the birds just came and ate it up. Then others fell upon stony ground, but that was very shallow, the stony ground, and unfortunately, <clears throat> before long, the sun just withered it up, and it died. And then some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up together with it, and soon they choked the seed. But... The fourth type of soil that the Lord spoke about in that wonderful parable was the good soil. And there the seed germinated and grew and produced fruit, some of it a hundredfold, some of it sixtyfold, and some of it thirtyfold. Now, really what the Lord was saying is there are different ways of receiving his word. Um, there's the way where some doesn't even penetrate. Others hear it eagerly and then fall away or are swamped by the many things of life uh, and the, the, the word does not uh, produce fruit as it should. And indeed, the hand of the Lord on those lives does not change them at all. But then there are those that hear the word and understand it and receive it and it bears much fruit. Folks, this parable... Uh, is a timeless parable. And it comes to us today as modern people, contemporary people, living in Pretoria today. We need the molding hand of God, the molding influence of the Word of God on our lives. And I think the big question is, though, how do we respond? We have lots of hearing. We have lots of good preaching. But how are we responding 
uh, to the Word of God in our lives. And indeed, I asked myself that question as I prepared this message in the last couple of days. I'm going to take us, though, this morning to a passage which um, will really help us to become better at receiving the Word of God, better recipients of God's Word. And if you'd like to turn in your um, Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. We're going to read right from verse 1 through into chapter 3 at this time. Ah, there we go. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 2. Uh, 1 to the end and then chapter 3 to verse 3. Paul is speaking to the people at Corinth and he says, I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in much weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my message we're not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith may not reach in the wisdom of, uh, rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. They were like the path. For, it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen or ear heard, nor the heart of man has imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows the person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? And so also no one comprehends the third thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for if you still, for you are still of the flesh. Just so far stopping in the middle of verse three over there. Paul is describing here the impact of the word of God upon the people of God. And he's concerned that at the lack of responsiveness to the word of God, indeed to his preaching um, from of the of the Corinthian people. 
No doubt they were hardened by the secularism of their day. But what's interesting over here is that he speaks, he starts by vindicating his preaching. You'll see that in verse 1 to 5 of our passage over there. By, by validating his preaching as really coming from the word of God. He said, I proclaimed God's wisdom. Uh, the word was not man's wisdom, but God's wisdom. I came in weakness uh, and fear and trembling. Uh, I did not come with human eloquence. I came with the power of the word of God. Now, I know I'd be behind that word, the hand of God, the voice of God, the will of God, like we were singing about today. My focus was Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he starts off here by saying, man, there's nothing wrong with the seed. I brought you the pure gospel, the word of God uh, to your hearts. And man, this is preaching how it should be, isn't it? Bringing the word of God to the people of God. But despite the effective preaching, there was a very mixed response. And indeed, I challenge you to think about that today. Your own, as personalize this message as we go through with it, how is your own response to God's word, whether it's preached or, or read or studied uh, or heard some other way? You see, although there was effective preaching, there was a very mixed response. Whoops, I went, now we got back. Whoop, one too far. There we go. Receiving God's word, three groups of people. Did you notice from our reading that three groups of people are spoken about over there? I don't see anyone sleeping here. For those of you who are online, there's a funny picture up there of a guy sleeping in church. Um, <clears throat> there's the natural person. Have a look at verse 14 of chapter 2. The natural person does not accept the things of God. They are folly to him. He's not able to understand them. Uh, then uh, there is the spiritual person. And by the way, there are original words for all of these things clearly describing the spiritual person as one who's been enlightened by God. He is able to receive. We have received, um, it says, the spiritual person judges all things but is himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we... We have the mind of Christ, Paul says, those who are spiritual. The natural person, water off a duck's back. The spiritual person receives gladly and is able to understand like that good soil that produced much fruit. And, but then there's a third group. There's the carnal person. Have a look at chapter 3 and verse 1. But I, brothers, and he's speaking to Christians here. He, he's, these, these are not carnal, unsaved people. These are carnal believers. I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as, spirit, as people of the flesh. The word over there is sarkikos, which literally means of the flesh. Uh, of the flesh in terms of living, living at a purely human level, unresponsive to the things of God. Now, now that's scary. Because he's speaking to Christians here. 
And his deep, deep, deep concern for these Christians is that they would be, be, become carnal Christians. Could God's word perhaps be declining in the church of God today, despite faithful preaching, despite the gospel of God? Could the, we as the people of God perhaps be guilty of sliding, as it were, into this situation here described as carnality? Well, I believe that today too we must never underestimate the danger of becoming carnal Christians. Never underestimate it. Folks, it happens so subtly. It happens so gradually that we don't even realize it. Outwardly, everything is cool. We can even be in a pastoral role. We can be in an elder role. We can be in a worship leader role. We can be in a Sunday school teacher role. But inwardly, there's a dryness and a poverty of our spirits which can set in so surreptitiously that we don't even realize it. And so, folks, for you and for me today, Never underestimate the danger of becoming a carnal Christian. Our passage over here tells us how this can actually occur, how it occurred in Corinth. You see, there was a lack of receiving and obeying the Word of God. Have a look at verses 1 to 3 there in chapter 3. Our brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as spiritual as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. You are still of the flesh. Sad, sad situation. A situation, folks, where, where these people got stuck in their spiritual development. Yeah, they were quickened by the Spirit of God. They were believers as far as we know. Paul calls them brothers over here. But they got stuck in their spiritual development. And, and it seems like the end result here it was a shutdown in understanding and ability to receive the Word of God anymore. Now, Jesus used the expression, don't cast your pearls before swine. And there's a sense in which if, if we continue to harden ourselves and not obey the Word of God and not receive the Word of God, we'll be like that, stuck um, in, in a, a state of carnality. Whereas it were like that, that rocky ground and that thorny ground, the things of this life have just dominated, dominated our lives completely and, and inhibited our responsiveness uh, to God's word. There's another passage in chapter in Hebrews chapter five, verse verse five, uh, chapter five and six. Uh, have a look at it after the service, perhaps when you go home, just to refresh the impact of this message today. There, um, <clears throat> it appears there as as apostasy. Uh, speaking again to, to Christians, the scattered Jewish communities, he says, you've become dull of hearing. This is 5 verse, verse 12, verse 11. Um, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again and again the basic principles of the Word of God. And so it goes on later, later down in chapter 6, it even says, you've tasted the heavenly gift and shared the Holy Spirit. 
but you've fallen away. And so there's this danger, folks. And this message is not going to dwell on this danger. It's going to show us how we can move forward. Praise God. But nevertheless, this grave, grave danger, so relevant for the church uh, in South Africa today. We speak, I think, often of our bad preaching, but I think bad hearing is much more of a problem. Bad receiving is much more of a problem. And I want to just say to you here at Watercliff, as far as I understand the church, and I was with you for almost a year, a couple of years back, the preaching here measures well to this yardstick uh, that Paul uh, has described in our passage here. Faithful to the word of God and the power of the Spirit, focusing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think the big issue for us, and I put the challenge to you today, as I put it to myself, how is our receiving of the word of God? How are we responding to that molding hand of God that we've been thinking about uh, in our service over here this morning? Folks, we need to take this very seriously, and we give it, need to give it our constant attention, lest our hearts would become hardened by the truth of God. Can I just say one thing, perhaps pause in the, in the message there? For mature Christians, this is a greater danger than for people who are less mature in the faith. And so I believe that applies to many of us here today. Probably mostly the people, the old guys who, 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 for whom it's too cold to come out to service today. It applies to you, it applies to me. Beware of becoming hard and um, unable to receive the word of God. But he has the good news. Boom. How can I become a better receiver of God's word? And praise God, this scripture over here is just absolutely full of it. There's three biblical doctrines that I believe will change your life if you are responsive to them in this kind of way. And we're going to look at them one by one over here. And the first one is to... Whoops. Okay, well, there they're all up. My PowerPoint said they weren't, but that's fine. There they are. Take God's Word seriously. Rely on the Holy Spirit and grow your love for God. All out of our passage over here... Did you notice how, how, how Paul was making much of the Scriptures and of the fact that he was preaching the Scriptures and representing the Scriptures? Let me remind you of some of the expressions there. Phrases like the wisdom of God, the testimony of God, are used in our passage here, verse 1. The revelation of God, verse 10. The depths of God. Uh, verse 10, the references also to his own, Paul's proclaiming of that truth, his, spirit, his speech and his message, his words, uh, feeding them with milk um, and inability to feed them with solid food. And so he makes much of the scriptures here. Sadly, however, and again I challenge myself on this, we use the, word, the term the Word of God so lightly sometimes. Oh, we preach the Word of God. Or, I'm going to read the Word of God. Do we, here's the challenge, do we fully comprehend and understand and take seriously what this book actually says and means to us? 
I think that's a huge challenge because on a Sunday it's easy to revel, to revel in the things of God. But what about come Monday morning? We use the term sometimes so loosely. But think today. Think of the nature of this book. I just jotted a couple of things down over here in my notes. The realities of Scripture. Where, where does Scripture come from? God spoke. God chose to reveal himself to humankind. God, the creator of the universe, chose to reveal himself to humankind. And in doing so, he, he inspired men to write the scriptures. And so not only did he speak, but it was a written word that he gave us, meticulously copied by those who copied the original manuscripts to the manuscripts, many of which we've seen today in things like the, um, the um, I was going to say the Kango Caves, um, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> carefully translated into our own language. Isn't that wonderful? From Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, carefully translated. Have you ever met a Bible translator and seen... The, the, this is the cost of having this book in our own hands, the Word of God preserved for us. Think too of the dynamic, and we, we've been thinking about it, of the Holy Spirit. Every time we take this book as a believer, He working in our hearts, illumining us, opening our eyes to understand it. Folks, we can't afford to take this book lightly. We need, we need to love it and, and see it for what it is. God's powerful word to us. Not only collectively, but to you and to me individually. And so practically, of course, that issues in, in things like taking our times of reading the scriptures faithfully. Taking the attendance of church and the listen to, listening to the preach of preached word of God seriously. We, 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 we love to listen, of course, to good sermons and we love to preach good sermons, but we need to learn to respond to them. What extent are we really responding to the word of God? Jesus said, You call me Lord, Lord. You don't do what I say. <clears throat> Some of the songs we sang um, this morning were awesome in this area. Some of those words we sang, man, if a church is the church of God, we really implemented those. Yielding ourselves, giving our all. And, and, and that's much more than just lacquer worship stuff. If, if we say words like that, we must mean words like that and yield our all to God. Of course, we'll never fully yield it. I don't know if any of you have read that book, The Heavenly Man, uh, the story of Brother Yun. Get hold of it. It's a story of a, of a Chinese pastor who was put in prison so many times, terribly persecuted, stood for his faith, saw the fulfillment of God's, God's promises, um, followed the word of God, put it into effect, and finally managed to escape from communist China. And he landed up in, um, in Europe. I forget which country it was. Probably that's a good thing. 
But this was his comment. He said, wow, you Europeans know so much about the word of God. You know, there in China, we know a little bit, but we just obey it. What an indictment. What an indictment to the Western church that sometimes I think we have forgotten the essence of obedience, the essence of the Lordship of Christ. So, first thing, take it seriously. And folks, we can. We can take it seriously. Take those times with the Lord. Take each message that we hear seriously as well. Secondly, rely on the Holy Spirit. Piper John Piper put it this way, he said, Many people see growth to maturity only as an exercise in the scriptures, and they forget about our need for illumination by the Holy Spirit. Huh? Right, so the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God in this form of illumination. We need to understand this work of the Holy Spirit if we're going to rely on Him and yield to Him as we read the Scriptures. Listen to some of the words of Jesus. When He was about to go into heaven, He said uh, these words, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. And He will bring to remembrance the things that I've said to you. Again, John 16:13. When the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Because there's so much in the Bible about the need for illumination. Listen to some of the prayers um, of, the, of the Scriptures. David in Psalm 119, verse 18. Lovely Scripture. Often use it when I sit down with my Bible. Open thou my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. <clears throat> Paul's prayer for the Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 17 to 19, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you, Ephesians and Waterclufians, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope the inheritance and the power of His Spirit within you. And so these prayers, just to ask God to illumine His Word, to make it real in our hearts. I confess that there's sometimes when I pick up my Bible and it's like, before long. Isn't it sad? I confess that. So <laughs> these days to try to overcome that problem, I get up in this freezing weather and I sit there in my chair and it's not so easy to sleep in those situations it is when you're snuggled up in your, underneath your blankets. Oh, thank God for His Spirit. There's such a lovely explanation in our passage that we're preaching here this morning. Please take note of it running from verse 9 to verse 13. Um, let me read it to you again. <clears throat> what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person who is in him? So, also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, 
but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Do you see that wonderful pattern? God and all his truth, glory and greatness has so much he wants to give us, so much he wants to do in our lives by way of molding us. But the Holy Spirit is the only one who can reveal these things to us through his word, through his given word. And by the way, the Holy Spirit wrote the book using human instruments. You see, because he is part of the Trinity and he searches the deep things of God because he is the Spirit of God. And he does this because he's part of the Godhead. But he's also inside us as believers. And therefore he can make plain the things of God to us. I think that's absolutely awesome. Because practically speaking again, never must forget that struggle between the spirit and the flesh. That's why sometimes you have to really discipline yourself and pull up your socks with regard to getting into the word getting your heart right to receive the word of God. And maybe even keeping a notebook and say, well, God said this to me today. Check up next week. Have I tried to really obey these things? Don't quench the spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. Be controlled by the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Jesus himself said, Abide in me and I in you, that you may bear much fruit and and prove to be my disciples. And so, folks, to, to rely on the work of the Holy Spirit. Take the Word seriously. But also, before you kneel down and read your Word, kneel down and just say, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then thirdly, Grow your love for God. I must tell you a story over here. As many of you will know, I don't know if Jason's here this morning. No, he's probably not. I hope he's listening. I'm a birder. I love my bird watching, and I'm out in the bush any opportunity I can get. One day I was walking in the bush, and here right behind me suddenly was this footstep, and it was quite dense bush, and I turned around, and there was a guy. I thought I was going to maybe be robbed or something, but there he had a big camera with one of these long lenses, so I knew him immediately. He was a birder. So we got talking, and <clears throat> like birders always do, we kind of edge a bit closer and try and find out how good the guy is, and I soon became aware that this guy was much better than I am, <laughs> which is nice because you can get wisdom. But he gave me some wisdom. Listen to what he said to me. Because I think he realized I was more on the amateur side of the spectrum. He said these words to me. When you love nature, it will reveal its secrets. Now, this is a guy I've met one minute ago. And and that I couldn't forget that expression. When you really love nature, it will reveal its secrets. So I'm thinking, that's true of my love for the Lord. My love for the Lord surely is weak if I'm struggling with a whole lot of these things, with, with listening to his word, responding to his spirit. 
what no eye hath seen and no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, is what God has prepared for those that love him. And we know that he first loved us. We know that it's not we who first loved him, but he who first loved us. But as we engage with that love, as we receive that love, man, we can't help loving him more and more. And for those of you getting older, you probably will identify this. You know what? The longer that I've served the Lord, the longer that I've done stuff and lived my life and appreciated my family and appreciated friends, the more I love the Lord. It's, it's a wonderful thing that starts to happen. I struggled when I was a youngster with, man, how do I love God? <laughs> but somehow, somehow it's not so much of an effort now. And as we take these other steps seriously, taking God's word seriously, relying on His Spirit, responding to His Spirit, man, there comes within your soul a deepening, deepening love for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the things of God. And you know, this propels us forwards. The love of God constrains me, Paul said, which means squeezes me in a direction of obedience and responsiveness. Squeezes, if you like, man, I like that thing of clay. It's, it's squeegee. What's the word? It's malleable. What's the other word? Okay, there we go. And it's almost like you want to be. Your heart cries out, Lord, please, don't, don't forsake me. Come and mold me. Make me more and more like you, Lord Jesus. It's amazing how in the scriptures, particularly the writings of the Apostle John, <clears throat> and this comes out in his epistles and, his, and, 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 and in his, um, his gospel, speaks so much about the synergy between the scriptures, obedience, and loving the Lord. It's full of it. You just read it sometime. He's probably the one who uses the word love most of all. Let me give you just a sampling here. We love him because he first loved us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. There we go, the spirit. Love is from God and whosoever loves God has been born of God. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Responding to him, receiving his word, and obeying his word. And so these three essentials, man, and aha, my prayer is and long for myself more and more that we would take God's word seriously, rely on the Holy Spirit to interpret that word to us and then grow in our love for God, for the Lord Jesus Christ. So these three essentials may lead us. And I would really encourage you this morning to go and chew on this word. Well, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Responding to the Word of God. Take some practical steps. Perhaps change the way you do your quiet time. Perhaps take notes in church and follow up on some of the messages that you hear. Perhaps just do a regular audit on your life and see where you stand as a child of God. Oh, but don't underestimate Folks, don't underestimate the danger of becoming a carnal Christian 
because it just shuts down around your ears. You, you might, might, might have made a decision to follow Christ, but your life will be a misery because you don't, won't know who you are this way or that way. Lord, we just pray for Watercliffe. I pray for Central Baptist where we go more regularly. I pray for Glenhaven. I pray for myself, Lord, for these dear folk here this morning that you would make us those that would receive your word. Good soil, Lord, that we would produce fruit for your kingdom. Oh, Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves and honest before you. Thank you for the service, Lord. And again, just many of these hymns that we sang this morning ring in my ears, Lord. <clears throat> we yield to you. We hand our lives over to you, Lord. We want to be for you what we should be. Committed to you the rest of the service as we close off now. In Jesus' name, amen.